lovely stuff. Well, here we are. Um, welcome along, everybody, to the latest episode of the Still Parents podcast. I think episode three of, of series three. Our special guest tonight, we welcome on. His name is Matt Sharp. But yeah, how, how are you, Matt? How, and welcome along to the uh, welcome onto the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Are you are you okay? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's been um, a hectic day at work, so I'm still trying to descramble my brain. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, but no, it's just so, so nice to speak to you guys. I listened to the pod um, for the last couple of series and every episode, and yeah, it's just um, it's just it's a pleasure to be on. Really, it's, I've taken so much from the pod, and it's just um, yeah, it's just really nice to be here. Oh, that's great to hear. We'll delve into that a little bit more, actually, as we uh, as we go on with it. Just to fill us in, where are you? Um, and what is so your job, I'm, by the way? Seeing as you, you said about your busy day. Yeah, well, I'm at home. Um, I'm a senior probation officer, so I work in um, in Coventry, um, managing probation officers, um, oh, wow. and who also then manage offenders coming out of prison and out of court. So yeah, so it's, it's pretty busy and it's pretty um, relentless. Really, it doesn't doesn't stop. <laughs> That's an interesting um, one thing I do like. You know, we get to speak to people from all walks of life, don't we? And um, yeah, we should we should hook you up with uh, was it Gary Anderson from the last series? He was the uh, the former gangster. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> for I, I must say, actually, it will uh, for anybody. Uh, it'll be easier if you if you're watching it, but if you're listening to the recording of this, there are two mats on tonight. Now, uh, Matt Whitehouse is the the other Matt, the Matt who joins us every single week. So, uh, so we got Matt one and Matt two. So, um, so hello, Matt two. You okay? Hi. Yeah. Hello. That me. That's there right. We are. <laughs> yeah. Regular. Who's moved house? I think since the last time that we we spoke, and nearly did make it onto the podcast tonight because his new house had a power cut about half an hour ago, didn't he? So it did, but it was it was self made. So. Go on. What was the reason? We 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 it's it, we we found out that the, the, the crystal's bag was lying on the switch, and he switched everything off. <laughs> Is that a really? That must be a tall bag then. Is it like, like it's got images of the fuse box? Right, How big's the bag? The, you know the best thing about it, right? She was that worried because she was like, Ryan's just gonna rip me. Like absolutely <laughs> yeah. We called we called three emergency electricians. I was like, Can you imagine they come out? They just flip the switch back on and then looked yeah, at like, probably, like, probably walked in, like just flip the switch, looked at us like with the dumbest people on earth, and then walked back out again. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's always yeah. the way, isn't it? And um also, Nathan, who's who's back with us again. Nathan Ellis, welcome along. How are you, sir? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dan. Now, Nathan joined us on episode one of series three, and then uh, yeah, we we really enjoyed what he had to say and and the reaction that he had. So he's uh, he's joined us on uh, episode two, and and is back again, and is back again tonight. So here we are, episode three of the Still Parents podcast. Thank you so much, by the way, to everyone who's been uh, listening to the show and, and and checking it out, and and also messaging. We'll we'll come to this a little bit later on, actually, Ryan, because you had a message from somebody that. Um, it's difficult to explain because it's obviously it's it's good to hear feedback from people who've discovered the show, but unfortunately, you know, due to the circumstances of it, so we'll we'll delve into that a little bit later on. This was over in uh, it was America, wasn't it? Whereabouts in America, right? Um, it was over right. in Pennsylvania, in America. Okay. Matt Sharp, who's our special Hello. guest on the on the show tonight. Thank you very much uh, for having us on. Where did you say you were? You were again. Sorry, I missed that. So I'm at home in Leamington. Leamington, Leamington that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, now, um, if you don't mind, if you just want to take a, uh, however long you like, um, just to explain how you've ended up, you know, discovering the podcast and, and now being on it and obviously the, um, the situation 
that you, that you went through and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, thank you. Um, again, thanks for having me. I just, this podcast mean, has meant so much and I, from listening to all the episodes, I've, I've kind of resonated so much with, with everything that's been, been said and especially I was just I was saying to Nathan before the pod, especially um, his episode, episode one of um, series three, so much for what he said I resonated mm. with and it just really make really made me want to come on really and, and kind of and say what I've been going through and if I can help out um, anyone who's um, been going through the same thing like it has them for me so that I just think um, that's the reason I really wanted to come on really so thanks for having me um, it's all forgive me I've got a few notes in front of me because it's all it was all a bit of a blur at the time and it's oh, still, no, that's fine and it's still only um, like five months ago so it's all very fresh and so yeah so it's not not the easiest to kind of go over it um, but I'll give it a go um, everyone says it so eloquently on here I kind of yeah, wondering how this is going to go. Listen, don't rush. Take your time, and, 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 and it's okay. It's um, you know, you yeah. just you're just talking and, and sharing your feelings. It's um, it's absolutely fine. So yeah, no yeah. rush. Yeah. So myself and Sophie, my partner, um, uh, found out that Sophie was pregnant with um, identical twins um, back in February, which was a complete shock. Um, to be honest, it doesn't run in the family, but with identical twins, that doesn't necessarily need to be. Um, but we were both so excited, um, absolutely over the moon, but actually by the news. And um, yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. And we knew from there, obviously, things were going to be a bit challenging. Um, we were having scans every couple of weeks. Um, the, like doctors and consultants were talking to us all the time about the dangers and the, the risks of having identical twins um, and what could go wrong and explaining to us about twin to twin transfusion. But everything was going really well. Um, weeks went on and everything was going great. We discovered there were boys, um, and they were really healthy. Um, yeah, doing doing fantastic. Sophie was doing great. Um, everything was going really well. And we um went to Cornwall on holiday. Um, at 22 weeks, and on our first day there, Sophie was beginning to get quite uncomfortable. Um, and it just wasn't right and on that evening we knew we had to call the ambulance um things had escalated on that evening and we ended up being well, the ambulance came within within minutes um we ended up going to Truro hospital which was somewhere we hadn't been before mm. um completely and yeah we got there kind of middle of the night and everything was rushing on around us everything was complete blur to be honest everything was spinning um but the boys had strong heartbeats they were they were there and things seemed to be kind of okay at that point. But I kind of, we kind of got the impression that uh, the consultants and nurses and midwives, they all kind of knew at this point what, what was going on and things weren't right. Um, but I kind of always, I'm always an optimistic person. always thought that everything was going to be okay. Mm. Um, and I think was, I think we just sort itself out kind of, and they would be, and they were doing great. And there before, that they would just kind of return home and kind of thing with the holiday and go, and go back. Um, but no, it wasn't to be. And um, from there, kind of things escalated. They were talking through with us, like options of what was going to happen. And basically saying that Sophie was coming into labour um, because of various reasons. Uh, the consultant talked through with us some um, procedures, options. We had a, um, Sophie had a procedure and it didn't really work. And unfortunately, um she carried on going to labour and the boys were coming. Um, 
And at that point, we got taken down into a bereavement suite, which was absolutely amazing. We're so thankful for everyone at Truro Hospital. Um, well, one for having that facility, but for the care we got there was absolutely incredible. The uh, the room was like completely separate from the from the normal wings. Um, you know, kind of like private space, really. Mm. It was all soundproofed and everything, so we couldn't hear anything that was going on. Um, so it was our little our little area, really. But um, yeah, from there, uh, Freddie Freddie came first. Um, he was born alive at 22 weeks, um, which was just absolutely incredible. Sophie was doing just tremendously well. It was just she was so strong. And he was such a beautiful little boy. Absolutely. I just loved him straight from as soon as he was there. It's amazing. Um, we kind of cuddled him for a, a little while um, while he was with us. And then shortly after, Jude was coming. Um, and again, Jude was born alive as well. Um, two strong little boys. And... From there, they were with us for uh, about an hour and a half in total before um, before they passed, um, which obviously we we knew would happen, but still was just unbearably hard to take. Um, so we we cuddled them for like for their whole for all their little life, and 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 then we stayed with them until until they passed in 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 that evening or morning. And then just kind of stayed with them really in, in the bereavement suite and we were allowed that space. And it was just uh, like the support we got there was incredible. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was all a bit of a blur, um, those moments. And then kind of having to bring ourselves back home to, to Leamington Spa um, and, and kind of leave all that there was, was obviously really difficult. And those days and weeks kind of after that were, were just a, a big blur and, um, I was trying to sort everything out um, myself. I, I, naturally, I always like to take things these these things on. I always like to keep busy. Um, sort of organising the funeral and all the admin stuff behind it, like all the um, reviews and all that that goes on with um, baby loss and any sort of bereavement. Um, so yeah, that was just 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 a really tough time. Me and Sophie spent a lot of time talking it through with each other and trying to be really open with each other and not boxing anything up and really making sure that we're we're talking through everything mm. um between us but then i kind of realized that no matter how much i was talking it was with sophie and kind of what i thought i was processing it i, I just kind of realized that i wasn't really acknowledging my own kind of feelings mm. um and how i was getting on and i kind of realized that i wasn't really myself i'm normally quite a calm person um kind of considered quite thought through kind of and yeah I just felt myself getting quite angry at a lot of things and right just very frustrated at life and I mean it's still so fresh I mean um I'm gonna give, give myself a break a little bit but um yeah yeah I was pretty yeah it just wasn't just clearly wasn't right and it was at that point really where I decided to reach out to um Lily May Foundation Foundation and, and call Ryan and it was kind of at that moment where we talked it through and I really realized that I wasn't, I wasn't dealing with things um, well with myself. I wasn't okay. Um, 
I was kind of saying to people I was okay when people kind of asked hmm. when, when they say, oh, how you doing kind of thing. And I was kind of saying, yeah, you know, okay. And not really like fully on acknowledging what was going on. And Ryan discussed with me what potentially that I was <laughs> like having a bit of like denial. Um, and like, I think Ryan, you mentioned it was like the anger stage as well um, at that point. So at that point, it was kind of a, a shock to me and I just wanted to really start helping myself rather than other people around me. Um, so yeah, at that, at that moment, it was kind of a big change for me, really. I started listening to the podcast, which, um, which is enormous help. Um, and then I started to reach out to people, um, like family and friends, that I previously just said I'm, I'm okay. And started to reach out and try and, um, try and really talk to people and talk about it. Um, but that was difficult to be honest. That was really difficult for one way or another. I just yeah. assumed, I just assumed that sometimes people don't know what to say. Um, yeah. I was ready for it. I was ready to talk and I still am. And sometimes, you know, I think I'm guilty of it as well, but sometimes you just don't know what to say. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's very true, isn't it? I th- it goes back to our, our first ever episode which was called the the elephant in the room and i'll bring ryan in straight away on this actually because you mentioned about the anger and i think yeah so a lot of you've got to be quite careful how i say this now is that a lot of people who or a lot of men sorry that i speak with um individually nine times out of ten the very first session that i have with them um there's very much a wall put up and it's almost uh i don't need this type of support um I'm here because I'm I'm trying to help my my partner, my wife. Um and it's very much a, there is very much of a, a type of bravado, if you like, that maybe that what they're there for is is not necessarily for them. Um and I think over time you um or I say you, I mean I will work with them to break down their barriers that they're putting up basically to um, try and make them see that actually there is a, there is a, a clear reason why they're there and that actually by putting it in a box and forgetting all about it or trying to forget about it and navigate around it and, and not actually facing it head on, that that's going to do them more harm than if they actually face you know the 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 realization that they have lost a baby or in this case, obviously twin boys so babies um when i i mean like when i just listened to matt there that's obviously a very quick whistle stop tour of of his experience but if i was to compare matt from his very first session to now he's a completely different person a, a totally, totally different person. And I'm not saying that I've changed him because I haven't in any way, shape or form, but what, I, what I've tried to do is almost give him the, the tools and, and give him the, the permission, if you like, to some extent, to be able to accept that the feelings that he's feeling and that he's gone through with both as an individual, but also with um, Sophie's partner as well, is that actually um, it's okay to to feel in the way that he that he does and in the way that they do as well as as a as a pair 
um, and that it's okay to grieve because ultimately there is stigma which we, and you know this is one of the reasons why we have obviously this this podcast is to try and dispel the myth and the stigma of the of the sort of bravado around men and not being able to talk or not being able to show emotion or that it's wrong to show emotion and i think and i'm i'm going to bring nathan in um because I, I don't think nathan would mind me saying this as well is that actually probably out of a lot of the men that i do see both Matt and Nathan are probably the two that have maybe actually worn their heart on their sleeve, to be honest, and have not been scared to show that emotion, have not been scared to sit in front of me and or, or go for a walk with me or what have you and, you know, maybe cry or maybe get really upset and not feel embarrassed that they're actually doing that and that, acknowledging that actually they need to do that because that is part of the process that they, you know, they have to go through to, to be able to not necessarily come out at the end because it's not a case of coming out at the end, but it's, it's part of the grieving process. I think what I found difficult at times, I don't know if um, either Matt, you, you found this as well, but like, like Ryan, you're right. I was more than happy when I got there. And then, like I said, I, I found it hard to get out of the car and get in. But once I did, I was I was fine talking about things. Um, but then I'd find at different times, like I'd be, be, be doing quite well or I thought I was doing quite well. <clears throat> and then something had happened and I'd get upset, like really teary upset, and then feel angry with myself again that I thought I was past this bit and I'm back in this bit again. And why am I back in this bit again? That's not, that's not fair. I've dealt with this part and I'm supposed to be moving forwards um so i think one of the things like when i spoke with ryan that, that really helped me was just acknowledging that actually and again the, the problem i had was because i've never grieved properly before because of locking things in a box mm. i hadn't understood this idea of you know kind of uh, ryan i think you talked about it as like resonating between uh you know you, you kind of state where you're just getting on with things and then fluctuating back to your grief and then back again like i didn't understand the, the kind of idea and the concept of doing that that's not something I'd ever done so when this was happening to me I was like this is I've, I've done these things that are supposed to be helping me and then but now I still feel the same and I, I found that really tricky to to navigate that was that was particularly hard I, I found Matt Whitehouse uh, who is uh sorry there are two Matts on the uh on the show tonight in case you've just joined us Matt Sharp who's our special guest and Matt Whitehouse now uh Matt, you, how do you relate to all of this? Um, just from a point of view of, it's a bit further down the line in in your 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 journey. I'm sorry for anyone who is who's new to the to the show. So, this uh, Matt's been on ever since we we started the podcast, and I think um, how long ago was it that you lost Callie? It was um, five years. Five years. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah I I can understand. Um, Matt's and, and Nathan's feelings and, and obviously Ryan's as well. And I think the most important thing out of all this is that um, that Matt understands that that what he's felt and what he's feeling now is completely normal. It's a road that you're gonna you're gonna face and and you, there's, there's 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 no rhyme or reason to it. There's no right or wrong way. Nathan's just touched upon it about the fact that uh, you feel like you've dealt with something and then you all of a sudden go backwards. Um, but I don't, I don't see it going backwards. I see it as embracing whatever feelings come to you. And um, I was actually told, um, uh, and I've, I've, I've talked about this before, but you have to, you have to kind of 
figure out the right the right advice, the right people who are there. And I got told by someone who I, I don't uh, speak to anymore, but um, I got told early on in the hospital when we lost Callie that I should stop breaking down in front of Crystal. Um, I was doing, I was dressing Callie, I think, at that point. And um, we went outside and he said, I was, he said, yeah, you, you've got to stop breaking down in, in front of Crystal now. Um, and, and, I, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, just sorry. I mean, at that particular <laughs> moment in time, he's still in the hospital. That's uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, um, that's unbelievable. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a violent man. But looking back, I probably could have ripped his throat out at that point. It's one of those things that, um, sorry to be so graphic, but it's, it's, um, it's just completely true. What you got to understand is you, you don't allow anyone to tell you how to feel. You know, exactly. and, and I think. I think that the point is this, that when, when you go and see Ryan and the beauty of being able to see someone like Ryan is that, you know, he will, uh, you know, he will never tell you how to feel, you know, because it, it, you can't tell the individual how you feel. There's four of us on here that have lost, that have lost babies. All four of us will have completely different emotions at different times. I think it's vitally important to understand that, that I had a day a year or so back and, and I put it onto our group. Um, I don't, Dan, I don't know whether you were on the group at that point. You might have been, I'm not sure, can't remember, um, on our 10-10-10 group. And um, I had a day where I literally just couldn't get going on a, on a Sunday. And um, I ended up getting in the car. Crystal sent me out the house and said, look, we're going to have some time. And I just burst into tears. And it was like I'd gone back four years at this point because it was four years previous. So I think what Nathan said is absolutely correct. Mm. I think you're going to have those moments where you feel like you're flying and you feel like you, you know, I've got this. I've dealt with this. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I'm dealing with this. And then all of a sudden, it'll be like, bam, it'll hit you. And I guess it's being wary it. of that, isn't it? You know, yeah. as as Ryan said too, and um, you know, with the whole grief stage, and it's not that linear process. You know, it's mm. all down. There's the nuances, obviously, and you have that that thing. And and it's, I guess, it happens all the time to a degree. I mean, obviously, we had um, was it the last episode we were talking about baby loss awareness month. And that'd hit you too. And yeah. obviously it's something that's still, it's going to happen. And that's why it's important to have that support network. Like you say, I wasn't in the group at the time. It was just, but I think before we started the podcast with, and just being able to have that, that support network. So with that in mind, uh, Matt Sharp, our, our guest tonight, um, who's been telling us about, so his other half is Sophie and it was the twin boys, uh, Freddie and, um, and Jude um, yeah. down at Truro hospital and you know you've been in touch with ryan and you've you've had meetings already you've been listening to the podcast but how's it being with your friends and that that support network you know maybe even, obviously you know we've had lockdown so it can't be face to face but we've had zoom and and whatsapp even if it's just a, a text message isn't it and um, do you have do you have that and how's that how's that been working out and yeah, I've had, anything um, you'd like to say to your friends who might be watching this is, is you know say come on take me I've from had, the point i've had a couple of um close friends who've been who've been great and and family as well um yeah like I said I mean there was that there was that point where I've, I've gone I've, I've spoken to Ryan and we're, we're having sessions together and things are getting things are getting a bit easier for me to kind of reach out and, and open up I'm, I'm just like I said I'm an open guy anyway um I just with with this I just found that I it was obviously more of a struggle and I was at the point there where I, and now where I'm 
trying to reach out I'm listening to all the podcasts listen to other stuff and listen to books that Ryan suggested and I'm trying to um I'm trying to speak to speak to people but sometimes you know like I said it's just people just don't know what to say um and you just find that some of the people maybe that you would you'd expect to to have heard from uh, are not there and 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 for one way or another I, I don't know um but I think um, so early on, people are people are obviously been affected by it as well. And I'll go on and I'll, I'll speak to like guys like yourself um, and hopefully get involved with things like that and be speaking to people that have been through um, sort of something. Because people, other people don't. Um, how can they understand um, like what what we us guys have um, gone through? In this sense, it's very quite a unique thing to happen um, and unique feelings. And like like Matt was saying we've all got our different emotions anyway and it's just about acknowledging that but yeah it's um that part of it's been really difficult and that was part of my frustrations and anger that I, I originally went to Ryan about I, I just couldn't understand why um people weren't talking about the boys um a lot of people would always I don't know if you guys found it as well but in these initial stages a lot of people and now people always ask me how Sophie is um and for me that's a really comfortable um way out of it for me because i love talking about sophie i um i could talk about her all day um got so much to say about her and all good stuff if she's listening um <laughs> yeah i just people always ask that and i then don't go into talking about myself um and they don't really ask and they then and what one thing i'm desperate to talk about and i've spoken to ryan about is that i'm, I'm just really want to talk about the boys and and their their lives and what they would have done and things like that and all the things that we had planned and things just just to keep remembering them really and not making sure that they're keeping them present and not making sure they're like they're, they're drifting off in a way that people just seem to move on um so that's been my kind of sort of stuff i'm talking to ryan about and the frustrations that i had when people weren't really reaching out to me but like i said there have been some um people that i've yeah it's just been amazing for me but um it's it has been it has been difficult i think i think matt what you've 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 effectively hit the nail on the head actually with a lot of the barriers that men tend to come across is so like you say there somebody will say to you how sophie and that mm. is effectively your get out of having to talk about talk about your loss that is the get out that mm. is the immediate you know um, it, it's a it stops you from having to look and and be open and honest with with what you're going through at that specific moment in time because you like you say you you like to talk about Sophie you like to talk about your partner and a lot of a lot of males are exactly the same and it it's given them the excuse to be able to say oh actually yeah I'll just put it in that mm -hmm. box there and then as as every as it happens every single time we just keep putting it in the box putting it in the box putting it in the box and eventually that box becomes so full. And eventually it will burst, and and that is what happens, and that's part and partly why you know, when people come and see me once one is the encouragement to be able to talk. And sometimes I think to myself, you know, Ryan, you should take a, a leaf out your own book because I'm very similar, and I think most blokes are wired in that way that we we you know we try and put problems to one side and you know and what have you. But I think you've hit the nail on the head there certainly with that you know it's giving you the excuse to not have to talk about it but i think at the same time as well i mean we've had a comment on uh facebook and i'm just 
prior to me going on to there, Dan's just had to jump off a second because something's happened in his house. Um, <laughs> so he's just private messaged me just saying he's, he's had to jump off. So he's, re- he's really, really sorry. So I'm, I'm now holding the fort. So, um, but yeah, we've just had a message come through on Facebook and it's actually from Amy and Amy, my wife, Amy, who obviously set up the baby loss support service right, right from the start is that the grieving process in, in general is like riding a wave and like Nathan said, you know, right when we go back to the beginning is that I try to explain to, to Nathan and how I try to explain to other people is that grief isn't linear. It's not a staged process, even though there are lots of models out there that state that, you know, you're going to this stage and you're going to that stage and then you're going to that stage. It's it's very, very, um, it's, it's not like that. And actually the sort of healthy type of, uh, healthy way of grieving, sorry, is the sort of oscillating between the sort of loss orientated feelings. So, you know, the anxiety, the fear, the, you know, the, the sadness, the crying and all that sort of stuff. And then mm. restoration sort of stresses as well. So our, our everyday routines, you know, what we have to do, we go to work, we have to keep a house going, we have to pay the bills and the healthy side of grief is being able to oscillate between them both and acknowledge that we've got, you know, both types of stresses and that we can we can go between them at any point. And just because we're four years down the line, 10 years down the line, 15, six months, whatever it may be, we can still always go back into those, you know, we're still always going to work into that because it isn't a linear process. It's yeah. something which we work at over time. Just a couple of things. I mean, the first one, going back to what you were saying, Matt, you know about, um, you know, kind of people asking after your partner and, and how they are. And I think that, again, just shines a light on what what men, if we're being stereotypical alike, that that they'll initiate a conversation about feelings potentially, but, but not necessarily your feelings, because that means that they'll have to have a conversation about feelings with another man. And that can be tricky in itself. And also, if they've seen you upset, they not they don't necessarily want to be triggering you potentially that's that's something else i think people are worried about when actually if the conversation leaves you getting upset then it probably means you needed to be upset again and and get some of it out again um and that that would have been a a good thing for them to have done for you to to help you have that moment whether it it seemed hard or not at the time it would have been a good thing and then the the second thing i was going to say was just uh, related to what ryan was saying there about you know oscillating between the two and and the thing that i've found over time and it kind of links with what you were saying matt about wanting to, to to not allow the, the memory of your boys to, to disappear in that in that way or them not to be present uh, in people's minds and in your minds is that yes I, I'm still incredibly sad quite often about having lost Carter but it's the it's the future stuff and I remember talking to Ryan about this about the, the what we've lost in the future for him you know all the things that you envisage happening and, and think that you'll do and I remember, so I, I wrote a thing down that I read at, at Carter's funeral, which, which you know, that was an incredibly difficult day. And Matt, I'm sure it, it was for you, well, all you guys that are on here, that, that's, you don't ever expect to, to carry a child in a coffin, dear. It's um, a tough day. But I remember reading something that I'd written in, in the church to do with, you know, just something that seems quite small, but actually is, is massive. Like I wrote something along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm so disappointed or so upset that, you know, I won't get to see you play fighting with, with Leo and, 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 you know, having that interaction with your brother. And, 
you know, it's all those things and, and thinking on to, the, to, to our wedding. And like I said, we managed to change the church. So actually we will have both boys there because that was one of the things we were imagining, picturing both boys being there in, uh, on the day. And so it's those, it's those future, future losses as well that I, I find myself being maybe more upset about to a degree at times than, than having lost him now. Like I, I feel myself more that way inclined some days that, that it's about, you know, what, what, what have we now missed for him with us as a family and I think the important thing with that and the reason we've been talking to Leo about about Carter is that we want it to, to always be present in his mind and, and some people might look at that and think well maybe, you know he's only coming up three now should you really be talking to him about that but whenever we walk to the church now he knows that's where Carter is he knows he's his brother um so yeah I think that's I, 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 don't know. I don't know where else I'm going with that, but I just wanted to kind of link back to what you were saying, Matt, because I certainly understand what you mean, and, and I feel that way a lot, um, especially of late. I think I think that is I think that is a lot of where my kind of obviously I have a lot of feelings going on. Like I, I speak to Ryan, and I said today, lots of different levels of emotions, frustrations, anger, and things like that. But my main sadness now comes from what could have been, what what the boys were were going to do, and in those months that we we knew we had twins you, you had, like twins is a huge shock to anyone um never mind getting your head around having a, a child it's what we're going to do with two children in a small house and uh, what are you, how are you going to change your life and how are we going to afford it and things like that so you, naturally your head goes to planning and thinking about what the boys are going to be like what, what, what the different personalities are going to be like and you can't just take away those those thoughts um that you had before those that for that 22 week stage and straight away, it's then you're thinking about all those things that you'd, you'd previously planned and all those happy things that you thought might happen. And and still, I'm I'm just yeah, they're, they're here with me every day. I'm I'm thinking about it all the time, to be honest. And I think, I mean, Nathan and and Matt, what you've both said there is, it you know you can sort of you know reiterating what what Matt Whitehouse said you know, five, 10 minutes ago in regard to the, you know, when when the bad bits hit, not to look at it as a, a case of going backwards, look at it as a, as a you know, that it's a, a wave and it's eventually it's going to crash and then it'll be calm again. And then, okay, we might get another wave that comes in another time, but eventually, you know, those waves slow down or they get a little bit quicker because we get to, you know, different times of the year where, you know, emotions are quite high and, and, and things like that as well. Um, so it's completely normal, completely normal to feel those type of feelings about, you know, I, I you know, we've had it with, with, um, with Lily, you know, first days at school and starting potentially starting secondary school and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, would she have, would she have done gymnastics, you know, being a, a, a girly girl or would she have been a, tomboy girl and enjoyed football or another sport you know rugby or something it's they're all what if questions and obviously I completely understand where you're coming from because I've had those feelings myself and even now you know there are there are things I mean she she'll be uh 12 next year so for me she'd be going into year eight at school and you sort of think knowing knowing you know what secondary schools like being an ex-teacher there's lots of questions that come across me there but like I say it's that it's that wave if you like and it does it hits it relaxes and then you know we can we can then see a little bit clearer until the next one comes along and that that is grieving 
that is grieving, but that's healthy grieving. And that's what I say about the oscillating between the, you know, what we do as a, a, on our everyday sort of, you know, routines and what have you, and also what we do from a grieving perspective. It's so important having these sort of like platforms and, and podcasts and stuff. I keep on going back to it, but I can't stress enough how important it's been for me to be listening to these podcasts and speaking to Ryan. I think one of the ones, I can't remember how many podcasts, how many um, episodes it was back, but it was just those people just really realising that if you, if you don't know what to say, just just say that. Um, that's so important. Um, and that's something that I, I'll take. If, if anything happened to my friends now, I'd always take that forwards. If I don't know what to say, at least I'll, I'll just say that and be there for them. And it's another thing going back to the, the podcast, you start understanding these things. And and like you were saying about the, the grieving stuff, I've learned so much about that. And other people, it's not sort of thing we'd normally talk about, is it? So just reaching out to people and understanding more about the process is I just think it's, it's so important. And I'd really encourage people to start reaching out if if anyone is in a situation and they and then like like I was before. Thanks, Matt. It's it, it's nice to know, obviously, that people are gaining you know, a lot out of listening to the podcasts and, you know, obviously from talking to you closely and, and, um, and obviously working with you as well. It, it, it's really nice to know that, you know, it is a supportive mechanism for you and that's what it was designed for, you know, not just for you, you know, you can't be that greedy, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it was designed obviously for that reason. I think what you've done is you've hit the nail on the head really. So um, for those that are listening um, through Facebook Live this evening, this is obviously the Still Parents podcast. Unfortunately, I'm your host at the moment because Dan's had to run off because something's happened in his house. I don't know what it is, but he's just messaged me. Um, so I'm filling in for, for Dan as the host. So tonight we've got our guest, uh, Matt Sharp, who um, is bereaved daddy to Freddie and Jude. For those of you, obviously, that are listening um, on your podcast platforms um still parents podcast and the this episode has obviously got matt sharp on and, and i personally think as well matt that you've spoken really really well this evening because it's not easy to come on to something like this and be able to be as open as you have been and i think you know nathan could probably vouch for that as well you know nathan's you know a regular obviously now on on series three but having nathan on um series one uh, sorry, episode one. Sorry, I would imagine it is quite a nerve-wracking thing to do, especially when you're talking about something so you know so emotional, so you know so emotive, and, and so forth. And I think you've done really well tonight, Matt. So well Thank done. You. Thanks for having me. No, no, not a problem at all. There have been actually a few comments on on uh, Facebook, and um, I'm sure Sam won't mind me um, saying so. We've had a comment off Sam Belcher. Saying great, like uh, great listen, lads. Well done, especially with Harper's and Hugo's birthday coming up. It's much needed tonight. So obviously Sam has experienced loss himself. So thanks for your comments, Sam. And um, you know, obviously as as always, we are here if you need us. And the rest of them are just Amy telling me that no, you're not the only person who's been on the podcast with twins, and has just reminded me that it was Sam and Nick as well. So. Yes, thank you for the comments. But there's one thing I did actually, we, we spoke about obviously right at the beginning, which was getting the podcast out there to different men. And we, we had um, a comment, of comment. we had a message from uh, a chap over in Pennsylvania in America this week. It actually amazed me how far the podcast has got out there. Um, so it just goes to show that, you know, it's, it's, it's getting out there, it's doing what it's supposed to do. 
and I would read the message, but I can't find it. So um, it's it's just really nice to be able to see that. And I, I know we are trying, and we're currently speaking with with that uh, chap from America to see if it is something that he would like to do as well moving forward. So we could get our, our, an international guest on there as well. So can we take a trip out there? No, not on Zoom. No. You, you can pay if you want, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd get that through the expenses if I'm completely. Yeah. <laughs> um, didn't did you guys originally say you were going to do it at the pub that was one point oh there's always going to be a pub yeah there's always a pub episode coming up yeah, no. <laughs> I think we could do that we could do that as a Christmas episode maybe I've got a bar at the bottom of my garden eh? can I have it in my bar you know what I mean put it in my bar at my Good. house is that a drinking bar or just a metal bar no it's an actual bar we've just had a in fact we've just had a question that's come through on private message which I'm hoping to open up to you guys. How would you encourage husbands or partners to get in, uh, to get involved and seek support if they're not currently seeking support? Nathan, any ideas? I think it's um, firstly giving them the space to to feel whatever feelings they're having at that time. Because, like I said, it, it, it there's a there's a right time for everybody, and and I and I don't think if somebody else is is pushing the issue. Um, even if it's the right thing to do or you feel it is, I don't know that that will always work. So I think it's, you know, dropping those suggestions or signposting, you know, we've talked about before, but saying that there are things out there if you feel it might help you in the future, but but not necessarily forcing that it's something that they should do or have to do. I think it's it's giving them the the guidance to know where support is should they want to seek it. Um, and I think just with, with things like this, being exposed to, to something like this and making the suggestion of listening to some of the men talking about it and the and the benefits it's had for them, that, that often is a good kind of push for somebody else to then go and seek that support. Um, and, and like we were saying earlier, you then end up with a new network of, of support of people you never knew you would, where like, you know, we were saying earlier about friends not necessarily knowing how to talk to you about it. Like if I have, you know, one of my old friends, let's say, message me, ask me how I am. I'll probably just talk to him in general terms about things and maybe that's partly my issue. But I know if like Ryan or, or Matt, when you message me, if if I'm not feeling great about something to do with a loss, I can talk about that and I will launch into that if I feel I need to because I know that the door's open for me to do that. So I think it's, as I say, exposing men that may need support to, to where that support might be and showing them how it's helped others um, and and making them aware that actually you'll get a source of support that you want to actively engage with over time and that will be really useful for you. I totally agree. I think it's about making people aware that there's so many different ways of doing it now as well. With, with the Lily May Foundation, with, with Ryan, I, we go on walks, don't we, Ryan? And, and for me, that's that's something that I'm really comfortable with. Um, it's one of my favourite things to do. So I just feel very comfortable in, in doing that rather than just sitting down and doing that face-to-face there's so many different ways now and obviously with the, with the podcast and I love um, listening to books and there's so many things out there there was a book mentioned on a previous um, podcast on here so yeah I mean there's so many different avenues that people can it doesn't have to be the sit down chat anymore um, there's so many different ways of doing it to really help people one of the reasons why I do take men for a walk is to almost take that some people find it quite difficult to be able to sit down and talk to somebody in a room where, mm. where they don't know them um, and I suppose at least if you can go out for a walk, especially, you know, around by where our offices are and so forth, that we can, you know, you've got that little bit of noise in the background, you know, there might be some cars driving down the road or something. So you don't feel as as 
you don't feel like you're putting that pressure cooker as such. But I think in in like what you've said there, Nathan and and, and Matt, is that I always use the analogy that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink it. I think like what you've both said there is, and and certainly what Nathan said is just knowing that the support is there, rather than trying to force force them somebody to go and have that support or force somebody to 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 seek support is just almost drip feeding over periods of time if there is something that you see just making making a husband or partner um you know ma- making them aware that there is this there or that there's that there or something and not mm. not putting pressure on them to attend because ultimately you know they'll they'll go or hopefully go when they're ready to do that and and I think you know sometimes if if I know what I'm like if I'm pressured to do something too much part of me thinks well I'm not going to do it um and I think you know there are a lot of people that are like that and I think just you know keeping an open mind and and being able to to show them what support is out there is certainly a, a very good start I think the other thing right as well is like the, stig- the, the stigma is attached to anything to do with like getting help is like you know if you go to the the doctors dentists opticians whatever like there's something that's being done to you isn't it it's something that's you're going and someone's going to do something to you and and i think sometimes with with counseling people worry that i'm going to go there and they're going to they're going to do something to me it's and and they're it's them that's in control of it but actually it's led by or i certainly found it was led by me what happened and and you know you responded to the things that i was saying and it wasn't that i was being forced into having to say certain things at a certain time or that I felt under pressure to, to say things I didn't want to say. Like you say, it, it, I think people always picture counselling maybe there's having this real formal structure to it. Um, and maybe there's a, a degree of formality uh, to start with in terms of getting the counselling up and going and, and the first session where, you, you know, it is safer to be indoors and letting your feelings out when if, if that's what you're doing, you really want. But then, as you said, it becomes less formal. And I think in that informality of support, that that helps you in 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 seeking that from other people who aren't actually counsellors who aren't who aren't trained it becomes a mm. a thing that you're happy to do anyway just generally it doesn't have to be in this kind of structured environment necessarily so i think that's part of it as well is is helping people to understand that it's not something that's going to be done to you it's something that you're leading and will be done with you alongside you to help you not not yeah not against anything you wouldn't want i think to some extent as well um nate is that because it's called a baby loss support service and it's not specific counselling, we, you've effect, we've effectively removed the stigma, if you like, of you're going to counselling. Because we're not trained counsellors, we're, we're trained baby loss support, we're, or we're, sorry, we're trained bereavement support workers. So we deal with, with the bereavement aspects of things. So it takes that stigma immediately out because I think some people can get quite scared when they hear the word counselling because, like you say, is that, you know, what are they going to say or what are they going to do? And I think you've hit the nail on the head, really. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Matt, for coming on, because like I said, I know it's not easy to be able to come on and and talk about, you know, something so emotive. But I think you've certainly done your boys proud this evening um, you. in telling your story and, uh, you know, being so eloquent and and telling it, you know, with, with great dignity as well, because it's a, it's a story which which obviously pulls on the heartstrings, but I think you've shown real strength in, in character and being able to, you know, to, to share your story with the world effectively, because we don't know who's watching and where really. And 
like I say, I think it shows a lot of strength in, in being able to do something like that. So thank you very much. And obviously, thank you to Matt Whitehouse as normal. So thank you for taking part again, Matt, and obviously to Nathan as well. Just had a very quick comment that's come through from uh, Nicola, who says, thank you for sharing your experience. He's so brave and inspirational. So again, there. So there you go, Matt. Somebody's obviously um, acknowledging that it's not easy to be able to talk about what you've spoken about, but know that it's fully appreciated by the watching audiences oh we've just had another one that's just popped up as well they all jump up right at the end (laughs) saying haven't listened to the podcast in a few weeks but so glad i tuned in tonight some much needed things discussed that have addressed so many similar issues i have in my life at the minute too thank you to all of you so thank you for that um comment as well for those of you like i say who are listening through facebook this evening or through facebook live uh, thank you for tuning in. It's been, I actually think it's been a really good episode. If anybody wants to get in touch with us um, at the Still Parents podcast, then please do. We're always looking for guests um, to come onto the podcast and talk about their own experiences um, and share them and hopefully, you know, put across some some um, helpful tips and so forth to, to move forward following the loss of a baby thank you to you all for your inputs this evening thank you for all of the comments as well um, on facebook and we um, will be back in a couple of weeks time for series three episode uh what is it episode four we'll have another guest on there as well and i believe it's adam Puran um that we've got lined up for that one so yeah look forward to that one in two weeks time in the meantime thank you to everyone for listening take care yourselves and we'll speak to you soon mm-hmm.